0: Morning, Kavanaugh. Thank you for being here. Will you stand with us and let's sing praises to our king. We are so thankful this morning that he has made us new.
1: You're calling me.
2: in Kavanaugh Church? How's everyone doing? Good. Y'all can be seated. It's good. Good to see everybody. If you are here this morning, you have officially survived snowpocalypse. Yes, give yourself a round of applause. Good. It's good. Hey, this northern boy was really, really happy to see that kind of weather down here in the south. It was amazing. And yes, I wore flip-flops out in the snow. Yes, I did. I did. Um, I got past the strep throat part and w- then wore my flip-flops out. Got, got it back again. It was good. It was great to see some of your posts, sledding and building snowmen on the Instagrams and Facebooks. Um, those snowballs are somewhat fun to throw too, amen? Um, except for me being in the position that I was when my five-year-old hit me inside the house unexpectedly. So I think his mom put him up to it. But anyways, it was a fun week, and, but we're glad to have you back here with us at Kavanaugh Church. So I'm going to invite you all to stand. All right, and uh, we're going to ask God to bless our services. If you are a guest this morning, thank you so much for joining us. It was great to have you. Welcome you here in our house. And uh, those online, thank you for tuning in. But I want to ask you all now to bow your heads with me, and let's ask God to bless our services. Lord, we love you, and again, thank you for bringing us all back together. Lord, I know it was a crazy week. Uh, The weather was rough, but Lord, you brought us back together. It's awesome to be in this house, in this place as your people, God. Lord, I'm just asking for your anointing on the services today. I know you have something special for us and something that you want us to hear. So I'm just asking as we continue to worship and as Brother Will brings the message today, you just prepare us and you make a way for us to become become more like you, God. We love you. Again, so thankful and blessed that we could be here this morning. In your name, amen. Remain singing. let's sing.
0: take this, take it and give me Jesus. Amen. I've thought all week, I've seen on the internet and places, uh, last Sunday was uh, Valentine's Day and we talked about that and you've seen everywhere and it made me think of a card that I tried to write a few years ago and, it, and I wasn't very good at it. And I put roses are red, violets are blue. You're my number one cowboy, and I love you. I quit after that. I I wasn't very good. I let Hallmark do my talking after then. That was the extent of it. I looked in the Bible, and there's so many places where uh, there were examples of people that showed Jesus how they loved him. But my favorite is in Luke chapter 7, where the woman broke her alabaster box. And she was so overwhelmed by Jesus that she broke her perfume and she knelt behind him at his feet and she was weeping and her tears fell on his feet and she wiped them with her hair. And she kept kissing his feet and she put her perfume on him and she anointed him. She did everything she could to show him her love because she loved Jesus. And you know, God gave his one and only son because he loved us. And Jesus gave his life because he loved us. And so all week long I've thought about this song that we're fixing to sing. And it's called, Jesus, we love you. And I've been thinking about all the things that I love Jesus for. And I want you to think this morning about the things that you love Jesus for. You know, we love him for our forgiveness, the forgiveness of our sins. We love him for deliverance, deliverance for addictions. We love him for our health that he's given us. We're here today. We love him for our families. We love him for this church, our church for life. So as we sing this song this morning, Jesus, we love him, that we love you. Let's give him the praise and the worship that he deserves. Think about it. Jesus, we love you. Let's pour out our praise and worship and our love for him this morning. Jesus, Jesus, we love you.
3: we love you this morning and we're so thankful that you adore us so that we can adore you in return. And I'm so thankful, God, that when we're in uncomfortable positions that you push us today, Lord, and that you help us to lean on you so that we can become stronger and so we can lean on you. And I thank you, God, for all the folks that have come out tonight, today that are listening to us online. And I pray, God, that as your word is spoken, that they would hear you in a special way, that they would take from this message what they need to be able to live their lives fully through you and totally appreciate the constant grace and mercy that you pour upon us every day. And I pray, God, today that this worship was pleasing to you and as we pour out ourselves to you, that you could fill us up with those things that we most need are in need of today. Once again, God, I'm so thankful for your son, Jesus, and that he came and he died on the cross so that we could partake of his precious gift of salvation. And that once we take it, God, we can open it and use it fully so that we can bring glory to you. Be with Brother Will as he brings us this message and be with us throughout the rest of the day. and Keep us safe. And it's in your precious name, Jesus, I pray.
4: Everybody good? Man, it's good to see you today. Thankful for you being here and those watching online. I'm glad that you're in the Lord's house today. Well, uh, today's message is with Pastor Will. That's me, Pastor Will. Good to see you. Everybody good? And here's what we're going to talk about, pressure to praise. We're going to praise God for pressure. Okay, then. Yeah. Moving right along. But you know what? Life is full of pressure. Everywhere we turn, there's pressure, peer pressure, blood pressure, (laughs) barometric pressure, atmospheric pressure, financial pressure, high high pressure, low pressure, tire pressure, water pressure, (laughs) air pressure, time pressure, pressure cookers, pressure washers, pressure players, grace under pressure cool under pressure cracking under pressure i mean everywhere you turn what is there pressure. there's pressure my goodness gracious I, I don't know if you know this but my wife uh, was a, a cheerleader in high school uh, she cheered for the corning bobcats in corning arkansas but she's not the only cheerleader in her family Uh, She actually cheered with her sister Candy, who is a year older, so the cheer team was made up of these Archer girls, and then the older sister, Debbie, who's eight years older than Angie, she was a cheerleader, but it it just wasn't the three girls who were cheerleaders, their mama, Miss Peggy, was a cheerleader, (laughs) you know, in Peach Orchard, which is just outside, it's a suburb of Corning, right, and here's the cool thing, Miss Peggy's cheerleading coach was this old lady named Miss Cooper, But she was also Miss Angie's cheerleading coach. And I'm thinking, wow, the mama's coach and now all the girls' coaches? And I asked Angie one day after we first got married, well, how old was Miss Cooper when she was your cheerleading coach? Because she was your mom's coach too. Angie said, oh, about 100. (laughs) (laughs) And she would load all these little cheerleaders up in her station wagon and drive them all over North East Arkansas to cheer. So anyway, Angie was a cheerleader. My mom was a cheerleader back in high school before my dad swept her off her feet and married her when she was 16 years old. She was a cheerleader. I was in the attic the other day, Mom, over at Kokomo, and I saw your megaphone. We still have my mama's (laughs) megaphone up there. So I have been raised with cheerleaders, and I love it because I love love the enthusiasm because that's what cheerleaders do, right? They get you going. And so sometimes when it's kind of boring at the house or we're driving in the car, I'll just look over at Angie and say, give me a cheer, Angie. Do one of those cheers. And she, she's, she remembers all the cheers and she'll do me a cheer and, and it's great, man, I get all pumped up. And, man, I want to teach you some cheers, all right? I, I do remember this one cheer when, when I played basketball. It was kind of a basket, it really wasn't a cheer, it was a chant. Because y'all don't, y'all don't just do cheers, you do chants too. Correct, all right, see, I know what I'm talking about, and I remember this chant back when I played basketball, and I've heard it since, here's, here's the way it went, let's see if I can do it right, pressure, pressure, put on the pressure, come on, help me, pressure, pressure, put on the pressure, come on, pressure, pressure, put on the pressure, everybody, pressure, pressure, put on the pressure, you feel it? Man, I feel the pressure. Here's the deal. About a year ago, somebody turned on the pressure, and they ain't turned it off yet. Are you with me? Pressure everybody. And you can't get through life without some incredibly pressurized moments. But you know what? Sometimes those moments turn into days. And sometimes the days turn into weeks and months and even years. But I have found a book in the Bible that has surprised me with its ability to encourage me and uplift me even in moments of pressure. And that is the book of 2 Corinthians. This really is one of the most autobiographical books of the Apostle Paul. The closest he ever came to really bearing his soul and describing how the pressures in his life and in his ministry almost crippled him. And so for you this morning, I've gone through 2 Corinthians, and I've taken little snippets of verses to show us the words of the Apostle Paul and all of the pressure that he was under. Words and phrases like this right here. Paul talked about all our troubles, great distress, anguish of heart, many tears, He talked about great pressure far beyond our ability to endure. He talked about being grieved, distressed, having no peace of mind. He talked about the hardships that we all suffer. He even said, sometimes I despair even of life, not equal to the task. He he talked about not being competent and being in deadly peril. He talked about being hard-pressed on every side, harassed at every turn, struck down, perplexed, downcast, beaten, flogged, shipwrecked, weak, sorrowful, and poor. He talked about sleepless nights, affliction. He said numerous times, I am afraid or I fear. He said, we may seem to have failed conflicts on the outside and fears within. He talked about this thorn that he had in the flesh. He called it a messenger of Satan. And he says, besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. And and, and you're probably thinking as I thought, man, that's bumming me out. I mean all I hear are pressures and afflictions and, and problems that Paul faced yet despite all of these phrases when you come away from reading second corinthians you come away with a sense of encouragement how could that be well paul talked about being full of pressure but he also talked about being full of praise You see, despite Paul's long list of hardships, this is one of the most optimistic books that we find in the entire Bible. Yes... Paul honestly described his pressures and his problems. But there is no defeat here. There is no woe is me in these verses. He is realistic about all of his problems and all of the pressure, but he is resilient in his praise that he gives to Almighty God. I mean, it's amazing. The central theme of the book of 2 Corinthians is one of triumph. And one of victorious living, one of Paul saying, you know what, there are pressures and there are problems in life, but when you turn that pressure into praise, you've got it made. Because greater is he who lives in me than he who lives in the world. And God is going to help me and comfort me in my times of difficulty. In fact, the very first word in the main body of this book is the word praise. And the very first paragraph of the body of the book, he gives us five incredible ways of turning pressure points into praise points. It's really a totally new and revolutionary approach to pressure that we have in life. It's a way of dealing with stress that if it could be bottled up, I think it would be every pharmacist's dream and every physician's remedy. You got pressure, take two of these pills right here and you're going to be okay. And what are the pills? They are praise to God. You see, we can't always escape pressure. But you know what we can do? We can convert pressure into praise. And when we do, we discover the reverse truth of pressure. And it's this. The force that transforms lumps of coal into acres of diamonds. So you know what we can do for that old lump of coal that's in your heart right now? God's pressure can turn it into an acre of diamonds. Now, let me just show you exactly the pattern that we find here in the first book of 2 Corinthians. Near the end of this paragraph, Paul wrote this in verse number 8. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the hardships that we suffered in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, really far beyond our ability to endure, that we despaired even unto life. Notice three words that he uses there. He talks about hardship, he talks about pressure, and he also talks about despair. And you know what? Everywhere that we turn today... People are under that kind of pressure. Hardships, pressure, despairing even of life. Some of you, in fact, are under so much pressure today that you're doing what Paul wrote about. You're despairing even unto life. It is far beyond your ability, as Paul said, to even endure it. You see what Paul is doing in this passage? He is saying, guys, I have been under great pressure. I have been facing hardships that are indescribable. But look at all the blessings and look at all the benefits that have come from all of this pressure. In, in reality, he's saying, thank God for the pressure because this pressure has brought benefits and blessings into my life. And really, the first word that he uses to describe this is back up in verse 3. It's the word praise. Praise. Literally, he says in verse 3, "'Praise be to the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ.'" Guys, I'm telling you, this is the most incredible perspective on the subject of pressure that I have ever seen. He is saying, in effect, praise God for pressure. So say that with me. Praise God for pressure. Now say it with a smile on your face. Praise God for pressure. I'm telling you what, that could be our chant today. Or maybe not, all right? This entire book of 2 Corinthians details the pressure problems of Paul's life. But the very first word that he uses is the word praise. And in this paragraph, the Bible gives us five reasons that we should praise God for pressure. So let's look at these five reasons that we are to praise God for the pressure we have in our life. Number one, he begins by saying, Praise God because pressure leads to God's comfort. We see this in verses three and the first part of verse four. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all. Now, everybody say that the God of all. Who does what? comforts us in all of our troubles. Now, get the big picture of what Paul is saying here. He is describing God the Father as being full of compassion. Now, we know that God is holy and he's just and he's righteous. We know that about God, don't we? But do we ever give him this attribute? He is the Father of compassion. Well, I'm telling you, he is. He is not only the father of compassion, he is the God of all comfort. He invented comfort. Comfort comes from him. And what does he do? Well, when you're in trouble, he deposits some of that comfort into your heart. Isn't that awesome? Now, when you hear these words, I don't know what you envision or what you see, but when I read them, I I see the Apostle Paul in all of his afflictions, whether he be shipwrecked or whether he be in prison or whether he was just beaten or dealing with that thorn in the flesh, I see the Apostle Paul nestling up to the Lord God himself during his difficult days and all of his problems. And and here he is nestled up to God. He is allowing the wing of God or the arms of God to caress him and hold him. He, He is the God of compassion and comfort. Can, can y'all remember back when you were a little kid, and I don't know, maybe, maybe you had a bike wreck or something bad happened to you, girlfriend broke up with you, or whatever it is, and, you know, I mean, you were just crushed, you were hurting physically, and you would go in, and, and what would happen? Your mom or your dad would just, they would just hold you, and they would comfort you. Do you remember that? You know what, you are, you're too old. That's your problem. You can't remember that. How about this? Do, do you remember when your kids had a bike wreck? or whatever it was, and they came in and you were the one giving the consolation and the comfort to them. There is nothing in the world like that, is there? And that is what Paul is saying here. He is saying, you know what? When, when I am at my lowest, God is always there to comfort me. He is the father of compassion. He is the God of all comfort. And he is the one who comforts me. You know what? I, I, don't, I really don't know how people who don't have God can deal with life because they don't have that comfort. I hear this all the time. Ken, good to see you, Ken. How are you, buddy? You doing all right? We hear this at funerals all the time. When when people are facing the death of a loved one, they will inevitably say, if they're a believer, I just don't know how people can handle this without God in their life. I hear it all the time. I, I, I I don't see how people can deal with this without having God in their life. And can I tell you what? They don't deal with it. You can't deal with the pressures of this life without having the resource of God in your heart. There ain't no way. And so what do we do? We turn to synthetic resources. We turn to the fake stuff, the stuff just to get us through, to, to help us through the pressure points. But, but it doesn't, does it, Jason? It just, it just means we have to have more of it because it never satisfies Let me tell you this. This is the exclusiveness of Christianity. People of the world can't have this. They don't get this. Only believers can truly have this comfort in times of pressure and in problems because he is the father of compassion. He is the God of comfort. And when you face pressure and when you have these problems, you can lean on God, and you can understand a little bit of what Paul was saying here. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of all compassion, and the God of all comfort, who comforts me in my times of trouble. Amen. Amen. So you know what? We, we can thank God for pressure because along with that pressure, we have the comfort that only he can give. That, that brings me to number two. Pressure equips us to comfort others. Look at verses 3 and 4 in its entirety. He says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion, the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. For just as the sufferings of Christ flow over into our lives, So also through Christ, our comfort overflows. Do you get what he's saying? He is saying that we can recycle our comfort, our empathy, the lessons that we have learned from the Lord. The comfort of God flows into our life like a river because he is the God of comfort. And so when we need his comfort because of the pressures of life, God just flows that comfort into our lives And then the overflow that we have received gets off on other people who need that same kind of comfort. After you've been through something traumatic, something difficult, you are better able to help others who are going through the same thing you went through. The Lord may not call you to write a book about it, but I tell you what you can do. You can write little notes. And pass them on to people who are facing the same problem you face. You can make phone calls or send emails. Or you know what? There's a there's hundred different ways that you can comfort others with the comfort that we ourselves have received from God. You, you know what we all are? We're all wounded healers. We've all been wounded. And we're all in this process of healing. And we never go through any experience Or pain in life but what God can take that experience comfort us because he is the God of comfort and then we can use that comfort to comfort somebody else in fact if you think back on it chances are the way God comforted you was through somebody else who extended that comfort to you are you with me is this making sense I don't really mean for this sermon to be all about Angie, but I really do love her. Incredible, incredible lady, wonderful wife. Angie had a traumatic event happen when she was nine years old in in her family. Her dad, who was a deputy sheriff, was killed in the line of duty. And so her little world was shaken when she was nine years old. I I thought through the years, we've been married 38 years, and I thought I'd heard all the stories and, and knew everybody's perspective on Losing Glenn when these kids were little. But, but after Miss Peggy died a few months ago, I started hearing stories from her older siblings, uh, Kendall and Debbie and, and Candy and even her younger brother Kelly that, that I, I, didn't, I didn't know. I, I, didn't, I couldn't see it. I, I didn't feel that from them. But it was a tragic event. I mean, I, I can't imagine my dad being killed when I was nine years old. I didn't go through that. But you know what Angie did? She lived through it. And here's my observation. In my many years of ministry, I have ministered to families who a young parent was killed, a parent with little kids. And even though I may have sympathy for them, and even though I've tried to sit down and talk to little kids who have lost a parent, you know what, I'm lost for words. I don't know how to minister to them. I don't know what to say to them because I can't feel their pain. I've never lost a parent. But Angie has. And it's amazing to watch her be able to communicate on a level that they can both understand and accept. She has words of comfort for them that I don't have. Now, it breaks my heart Angie had to experience that. But you know what? She has used that experience to minister to literally, I don't know how many, I would say hundreds, I don't know if it's been that many, but she's ministered to a whole lot of kids that needed that in their life. So you know what? When something bad is happening to you, when you're facing pressure or hardship, don't don't just feel sorry for yourself or be selfish. Understand, God is going to comfort you, okay? God's going to help you through this, but God is also going to use you to minister to somebody else down the road. That is if you don't become selfish. And a lot of times we do. We get all this comfort from God and we get selfish with it. We hold it in our heart. We don't want to share it with anybody because we don't think there's going to be enough and we need it all. It doesn't work like that. You don't damn up God's comfort in your heart. God's comfort is a river, and it just flows through you, and he wants to use it to get on somebody else. So can I say praise God for pressure? God uses pressure to bring comfort into my life, and God uses pressure to equip me to comfort somebody else. The third reason we can praise God for pressure is because pressure helps produce a very strong characteristic inside of us that God wants in every believer, and it is patient endurance or perseverance. Look with me at verse number 6. Great little verse here. If we are distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you, here's the word, patient endurance of the same suffering that we suffered. This is a word that that the Bible uses about 30 times throughout the Bible. It is translated patience or endurance. Sometimes it's translated perseverance. And here's one thing I've learned, not only studying the Bible, but in real life. I have learned that above almost anything else, God wants to develop inside of us this characteristic of perseverance. What is perseverance? Perseverance. It's the ability to keep on keeping on. It's the ability that when life knocks you down and the pressures of life are stomping you in the ground, that you can pull yourself up and keep on going. When you feel like giving up or giving in, you don't. You just keep on going. It's resiliency. It is the ability to just keep doing the right thing. You know what? Sometimes right here we get tripped up when the pressure is put on, we compromise, we give in, we do the wrong thing. But perseverance says, "No, I'm not going to do the I'm not going to let the devil and the world crush me. I am going to follow God and I am going to choose to do the right thing even when the pressure is turned on." So here it is. God God is taking that old lump of coal that's in your heart and he's making a pretty diamond. It's called perseverance. Number four, pressure teaches us to rely on God, the God who raises the dead. This is interesting. Look at verses 8 and 9. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about the hardship we suffered in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure. Far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired even of life. Indeed, our heart, in our hearts we felt the sentence of death. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. Yes. Now, guys, I don't know. Stacy, I told you first, I'm digging that, man. Here, here's what pressure does. It helps me to rely on God. And not myself. You know, what? usually the, the, the opposite is true. We do rely on ourselves. When pressure is put on, we try to fix the problem. Have any problem fixers out there? You think you've got to fix it yourself? I mean, you've, you've you, you got a good mind. You can, you can be creative. You can fix it. No, you can't. <laughs> there are some things in life you don't have the answer for. There are some things that you can't fix And troubles in this life will drive us to the promises of God. When you face a problem, what do you do? What you should do is turn to God's Word. Pressure should lead us to the promises of God. And we read the Word of God. And through the Word of God, we become strong. We realize that, you know what, I I can't fix this on my own. I can't do this. It's what Paul said. But all of this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but that we would rely on God. And then he puts this in there. I don't know why he put this in there, but he put this in there. Who raises the dead. We, we don't rely on ourselves, we rely on God who raises the dead. Now, I don't know, David, I don't know exactly what he meant by that. Maybe he was talking about. God raising Jesus, resurrecting Jesus from the dead. Greatest miracle in the Bible right there, Jesus coming out of the tomb. You, know, you talk about power, the power to do something. That's the greatest power there is. I, I don't, maybe he was talking about that, the God who raises the dead. But, but maybe he was making this, this reference right here. Who do you know that can bring people out of the grave? Who do you know that has the power to raise a dead person... Out of the grave from being dead, make him alive again. You know anybody who can do that? Thank you. Only God. You go, man. He's the only one who can. And so here's what Paul is saying. You know what? When when the pressure is on and I've got a problem I can't solve on my own, I'm not going to look at my own resources to solve it because I can't. I think I'll just turn to God, the one who can raise the dead. And I've said. If I, was, if I was holding the mic right now, Jason, I'd just drop it, man. Oh, I got another point. Pressure generates both prayer and thanksgiving. Look, look at our final two verses, 10 and 11. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us. <laughs> Can I do a little timeout right here? He has delivered us. He will deliver us. Dude, (laughs) man, right? He's done it in the past. He can do it again. He's done it for others. He can do it for me. He's done it for you before. He can do it again. Wow. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us. On him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us. As you help us by your prayers, then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favor granted us in answer to the prayers of many. He's done it before. He can do it again. He's delivered me in the past. He can deliver me in the future. You know what? Nothing generates prayer like the problems we face. I don't know about you, but when I face a pressure point problem, first thing I do is get on my knees. Why? Because I know He can deliver me. He's done it in the past. He can do it again. And then what happens? When He does deliver us, there's nothing like the praise that comes from a delivered soul who's had the answer given by God. So pressure leads us to prayer which leads us praise. It's pretty awesome, isn't it? Thank God for pressure. Well, one last story, and, and I'm going to end. It's a, it's a story that started back in 1912. A, a, little, a little Irishman boy was born. His name was J. Edwin Orr. He became Dr. J. Edwin Orr, a Baptist preacher. He got interested in uh, the movement of God, the revival of God, and so he studied revival and he began writing books on it and would go around preaching on it ended up through his life he wrote over 40 books on revival if, if you're ever looking for a great book to read j, dr j edwin or he's your man when it comes to revival when he was a young man before the age of 25 he traveled the world and here's what he would do he would just go out on faith He had no money, nothing in his pocket. He he trusted God to provide for him. He would go to new cities, new countries, all over Europe, all over the world, and he would find places to preach and teach. And through all of these travels, he wrote very many memoirs about how God provided for him. Without having contacts, without having a purse or money, God would just provide. On one occasion, however, the Lord seemed to fail him. He was going to Spain. He he left Barcelona for Madrid. He bought a ticket on a train, and the ticket cost him more than he had expected, and so as he traveled to to Madrid, he realized he had zero money, no money left. But, you know, it's okay. He had been there before. He just trusted God. The only thing that he had were the names of two Christians in the city of Madrid. He had just been given these names from someone else, and as soon as he got there, he made contact with these two people, asked them about uh, speaking in churches, and they told him no. <laughs> Didn't want to have anything to do with him. Well, he's resilient. He said, it's okay, God's going to take care of me. He made his way to the city of Ma- center of Madrid to a city park, and he sat by a water fountain, and he looked in his pockets, and he had a couple of crusty pieces of bread, and that's all he had to eat. So he ate the crusty bread, and he drank water out of the water fountain that flowed. Nasty, but it's all he had. Nowhere to go, no money for a motel room, no friends to stay with. And so it was a nice night. He said, I'll just sleep in the city park and he found a bench, park bench, and he laid down, fell asleep on this hard bench. He woke up in the middle of the night and realized someone had taken his wallet. He kind of laughed about it because there was no money in the wallet. (laughs) but he had been robbed he fell back asleep at 3 a.m. he awoke for a second time and there were three he called them thugs standing around him they were about to rob him now they didn't know he didn't have any money but he knew he didn't have any money yet it made him angry that these three thugs were about to try to rob him here's what he said in his memoir I felt a sudden Cold anger sweep over me. Now, J. Edwin Orr was a a little man. He was an Irishman, but he was feisty. And and here's what he said. I shut my fist, meaning to smash the jaw of the ringleader. Three to one or not. Went for him. He's a Baptist preacher, man, okay? And these guys backed off. And they just kind of drifted away. But you know what? Edwin Orr realized at that point he was at maybe the lowest point of his life. Depression set over. The pressures covered him. And he thought to himself, here I am. I'm in a strange country that I've never been in before. I have no friends. I know no one. I have no money. I have no connections. I have no place to go, no place to preach. I'm I'm out of resources. And I'm telling you, he got bummed out. Would you you be bummed out? Boy, I would be. But then all of a sudden, it was like a light came on in his mind. And and this is what he wrote of how he felt. He said, I have traveled around the world, and, and I've been all over Europe. I've been in every major city, by land, by air, by day, by night without provision or purse, and nothing like this has ever happened to me before. Instead of being alarmed at my condition, I should be grateful that despite all my problems, nothing like this has ever happened to me until now. God has allowed this to happen to me to show me how wonderfully He has spared me and provided for me in the past. It's 3 o'clock in the morning. God gave him this word. And so he laid back down on the park bench and fell asleep. (laughs) Woke up the next morning with the sun shining in his face. And he started singing hymns to God. And then he said that he said out loud, the tide has turned. Verbally, the tide has turned. Went back to that water fountain, washed his face. Brushed off his coat, combed his hair, shined his shoes. It was Sunday morning, Kenan, so he went looking for a church. And he found a church. He went in, listened to the preacher preach the message. At the end of the sermon, here was this new man in the church, so everybody kind of gathered around to see who he was. He introduced himself as Dr. J. Edward Orr. One old lady in the church said, I know you. I just read one of your books. And she turned to her pastor and said, This is a great man of God. Everywhere he goes, revival follows. The pastor said, Welcome, brother. (laughs) (laughs) Took him out to eat lunch, asked him to preach that night. J. Edwin Orr went back to that church and preached. And guess what? Revival broke out. What was his secret? I mean, really, what made the difference there? Well, I'll tell you, it was this. It was that moment that he turned his pressure and his problems into praise. And when he verbally made that affirmation, the tide has turned. Now, I told you that story to come to this point right here. I need to ask you, are you ready for the tide to turn in your life? Yes. Let me tell you, it can happen. And, and it's more than just positive thinking. You're thinking, that, well, this is just, this is just pulp. pulp pop culture, positive thinking. No, this is the power of God. But it all starts when you say the tide is going to turn. And that happens in your heart. Yes, you've got all the pressures, all the problems, but you turn that pressure into praise. You take your eyes off of the problems and you put your eyes on the one who can solve the problems He is the God of all comfort, the God who can deliver you, the God who has the power to raise the dead. And when you look to Him, the tide will turn. So if you're ready for the tide to turn in your life, I'm going to ask that you stand to your feet, right where you are. Just stand up, close your eyes. If you're watching online, you can do the same thing. And let's turn this little spot that we're standing in into our altar. Let's look to God. Take your eyes off the pressure and turn your eyes onto God. Turn your pressure into praise and ask God to deliver you, to help you, to comfort you, so that in turn you can comfort somebody else. Dear Jesus, I love you so much today. Thank you for this awesome passage of Scripture. It breaks my heart that Paul had to go through all of the things that he went through, all the struggles, all the problems, all the pressure. But dear Lord, you you used that in his life so that he could write 2 Corinthians chapter 1 to us so that we can today on this very day, February 21st, 2021, turn our pressures into praise to you. That we can learn from the Apostle Paul that, you know what, God is able... He's able to turn our pressure into praise. He's able to conquer the problems that we have. And dear Lord, as we just pour those problems out on you, I pray that you would give us victory. We love you, dear Lord. We commit our lives to you. Bless our church. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen. amen. God bless you. You can be seated just for a second. Got a couple of things I want to throw out at you. Uh, tonight at 6.30, we've got Bible study online. Go to Facebook Live or KavanaughChurch.com, and we've got a real unique Bible lesson for you tonight. It's actually an interview that Jason and Joy did with Brian and Tammy. Raise your hands back there, Brian and Tammy. Uh, it's, on, it's on discipline and devotions, and so I, I, I really encourage you. Log on tonight, all right? It's going to be a unique Bible study, and you're going to learn a whole lot from it, okay? So that's tonight at 6.30. Come back Wednesday night. We have our annual church business meeting. Annual because we only have one a year. Thank God for that. But it's always good. We've never had a bad business meeting, and I know this year is going to be the same. As you walk out on the welcome counter or on the two tables at both entrances, there is a budget for this new year. You can pick one up, study it, study it over the next few days. If you have questions, you can ask one of our staff members or our uh, board members. If you are a board member and you adopted this budget, raise your hand. Okay, Keep it up just for a second. Look around, see these guys. Ask these guys if you have a question. They can answer them for you. All right. Then we're going to come Wednesday night and have our church business meeting. It's going to be awesome. Pressure, pressure, put on the pressure. Ken I'm, Ken, I'm just talking to you. I've been in a lot of church business meetings that I've dreaded. Uh, you know what I'm talking about, buddy? That's not the way it is at Kavanaugh. We've got great business meetings, so come and enjoy that experience with us. Uh, be praying for one another when you walk out the door. Make sure you drop your offering off in the little black box. Pray for each other this week. Uh, lift up those who need the Lord in their life and be a witness to them. Remember this final thing. Church staff loves you. I love you. Best of all, God loves you. Have a great day. You're dismissed.